Hi, and welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast. This is season one, episode 17. I'm Trisha Copeland, fiction author and host of this show. Today, I'm speaking with multi-genre author Catherine Greenall about her work. Catherine began her career as a chemist, as an environmentalist committed to using her writing to make a difference to the way people treat others, animals, and the environment. She has a master's degree in chemistry and turned to writing after a long career as a government scientist. She always loved to write stories as a child and feels blessed to be able to spend more time writing now. Her Quirk of Destiny trilogy is based on actual sciences and imagines a world where toxic food has caused a deadly disease, where there are corrupt power systems and mutants with strange powers caused by the sickness. Listen in as I speak with Catherine Greenall. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Hi, Tricia. Thanks very much for the invitation. You're very welcome. Catherine Greenall is a visionary apocalyptic science fiction author. Tell me a little bit about that. I'm not sure I've heard anyone use that term before. Yeah, well, it's sort of evolved over time. The the genre that my first book in the trilogy got put in by the, the publisher that I was working with was sci-fi, but it's not really sci-fi um, because you think of sci-fi as like it's rockets to different planets and aliens and things, and it's not really that. It's based in the now on Earth um, in sort of present-day times, and it takes the current situation, world events, and the current science and it just looks at some of the problems I think there are and develops it with with different twists coming in as to what might really be happening behind the scenes. You sound like a lot of fun. You say you're a paranormal and a vegan cooking author too so I'm excited to learn more about that. (laughs) Tell me why you started writing in this genre. Well I suppose I first wrote the vegan cookbook um, when I, I took retirement and one of my passions is vegan food and animal welfare and um, whenever you go out to eat and you, you say you're vegan, well this is going back a few years, they used to say what, you can't eat anything once you told them what you couldn't eat and um, so I thought well okay for a year I'm going to write down everything I cook, I'm going to take photographs, I'm going to publish a cookbook, so that's what I did basically and it was just to prove to people and maybe inspire caterers to be a bit more imaginative. Um, that was what that one was about. And then I published it at the end of that year. And I mean, that ticks over quite nicely. I sell quite a few of those. I would imagine. I, I did vegetarian. I never did vegan. But on the East Coast where I used to live, I'm in the U.S. and Catherine's in the U.K. So that's exciting. This is, you're my first overseas guest on my oh, podcast. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but here in Colorado where I live now, it's very popular to eat vegetarian or vegan. And many of the restaurants have all of those options. So it's so much easier, I think, now than maybe in the years past, but I might look up your cookbook because my daughter eats vegetarian and we are always struggling to like say, okay, nobody, everybody else wants the meat, but what are we going to make for her? So, yeah, well, there's lots of things you can make and this was really to prove it. And, and all the chapters are called things that people have said to me, like, 
you know, when everybody else is having a hot meal and they say to you, well, we could always do your plain salads. And you think, actually, no, I want a hot meal like everybody else. <laughs> right. So tell me about your trilogy. So the trilogy started off, um, and after that, I was looking for another project, but I've been concerned about genetically modified food for a little while, starting in the late 90s when it started to, to really be developed. I think, in, I think in, in the US, you had it before we did. And then it started to come over here a little bit. And, and I'd heard some stuff about it that it caused health problems. And so, I mean, I'm a chemist and an environmentalist. So I started to look it up, you know, and, and keep up to date with what was going on. And, you know, I found out that people had been made sick with this GM food in America, which, um, they actually withdrew some products from, from sale in America and, and yet the government were claiming that there'd never been any health problems. So I couldn't understand this because why would you say that when there obviously has been? And I think the World Health Organization has said that glyphosate, which you have to use with GM crops, is probably carcinogenic. So that is, uh, that is quite worrying and it's being sprayed on everything, gardens, people's gardens, but it's been used on crops it's being sprayed on wheat before they harvest it to, to dry it out. And 66% um, of bread in the UK now contains glyphosate, which considering it's been said to be carcinogenic, is pretty worrying. So I, I started to think, well, so why are the governments and the UK one included, why are they saying that, you know, this is the latest technology we've got to use every tool in the box to beat world hunger? Why are they saying this stuff when it is actually causing health problems? And I couldn't understand it. And a few studies on things like rats um, actually cause tumours and, and kill the rats off and things. Um, so I started to think what is actually going on. So I invented this really twisty story, which, you know, I think to some extent is true because it starts off on the basis of where we are now. We are not being told the truth about how toxic some of our food is, especially the more processed food is it's not good for human health if you look into it so started to think um you know what if it's not just gm because the first book was just concentrated on the gm and who might be doing this and why and then you don't really get the answer at the end of that book because that was going to just be the one book to, to be my message to people to get them to wake up about gm food but at the end of it i thought well that's it's not finished, it's a lot wider than this. So there's conspiracies and world secret organizations and mutants that are caused from the food and it goes all very dark. So I wrote two more books and the third one, it went really dark. <laughs> Those sound amazing. I think I'm going to have to download the first one today and dig in because I love books with lots of mystery and suspense yeah. and different creatures so yeah I mean I'm a big fan of uh, authors like Stephen King and you know I love his stories the way you start off with something and then it's it's quite a normal situation and then suddenly there's a big twist and you think oh my god what's going on here yeah I haven't read tons of his books the one I did read was about the computers that sort of come to life I don't remember the name of it but they take over the people basically right I think, I'm pretty sure it was Stephen King's book yeah it sounds like one of his stories <laughs> right 
<laughs> so what do you love most about writing and being, being an author? I just, I mean, I really, I mean, I love reading. I read lots of different types of books. Um, I like humorous books. I like sci-fi, horror, um, fantasy, people like Terry Pratchett. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a hobby that I really enjoy doing. And it's something that I thought, well, I could use it to actually get a message out to people as well about, you know, being more positive about the way we treat the environment and animals. Um, so that, I mean, that's one of the reasons I write and, you know, it's, it's something I enjoy. I mean, when I first retired, I watched, I watched some telly, some daytime TV and you, you soon get sick of that, I can tell you. <laughs> so I thought I'd do something useful. Nice. Yeah. So the books in your trilogy are A Cork of Destiny, Return to Gallenbeg, did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, that's right. And Destiny of Light. And yeah. then your vegan cookbook is Vegans Can't Eat Anything, which is a yeah. funny name, <laughs> given that you're trying to say they can eat lots of things. I love that humor there. And then you have two short stories. Tell me about those. So the short stories I was writing, I thought I'd gone to an actual university course to do creative writing. I mean, I've always written years ago, but... Um, thought it'd be useful to do a, an actual course so I did an OU course Open University on creative writing and I wrote quite a few stories whilst I was doing that course um, so I just decided to publish those as well because um, I was doing a lot of marketing courses which you know recommend that you you put some books up for free so that it would get people used to your work and maybe want to read into your other publications that was part of the reason for doing that but yeah, I enjoyed doing that. The the Burnview one is a like a scary Scottish ghost story, <laughs> and uh, there's there's a, a bit of ghost stories in the other one as well. <laughs> but it's also covering other genres as well, like re reality stories and things like that. Oh, fun! Yeah, I, the Scottish ghost story sounds intriguing. <laughs> so, what is your favorite character from one of your books? Well, I do like the the scientists in that that go through the whole of the trilogy. Um, I mean, Jessie is a, a female scientist that goes the whole way through. She's an environmentalist, so I guess she's at least partially based on me. <laughs> so, I mean, I had fun with that. I had fun with some of the baddies as well, putting in some of the some of the characteristics of people I haven't liked through the years. <laughs> if you see what I mean. <laughs> because uh you know you can make sure that they don't win in the end <laughs> right no one will ever know i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> well i changed the names obviously <laughs> everything in this book is fictitious yeah well that's that's the disclaimer out the front <laughs> so you talked a little bit about stephen king what are, who or who are your other favorite authors so I used to read a lot of Ray Bradbury. I really enjoyed his work because he, he's a, a kind of author that things start off just in a normal setting, you know, a fairground, things like that. And then suddenly they take a very dark twist. So that's the kind of story I love. John Wyndham, people like that, uh, Day of the Triffids. Uh, I've read some Whitley Stryber, found his books fascinating as well. 
he writes about aliens, alien abduction, <clears throat> which I find interesting. His own experiences, actually. I don't know if you've ever come across him. He's an American author. That's interesting. I will have to look him up and see what his experiences have been. He started off writing kind of horror stories, but then he had some life experiences, personal experiences of being abducted by these creatures. And it is it's fascinating if you, if you believe it, which is he's very convincing. I just find his, his books. I, I would read Communion by him. It's really good. That's great to know. I've read a couple of books about near-death experiences, people that have had near-death experiences, and those have been really intriguing and interesting to me. Um, so this, I, this is sort of, in my mind, a take on that. Yes. And it's I've not, read, the same, not the same thing, I guess. Near-death no. experiences, you're experiencing something in your mind, out-of-body, dream-like state almost. Yes. Um, and different people have different experiences, but that would be interesting to read his. his there's, there's one by uh, a doctor, um, I think he's called Eben Alexander, and he writes about his experience of children who remember past lives. They don't know anything about this. They're just repeating details about what used to happen to them and their old family. And it's like a life that they remember from years ago. I found that fascinating as well. It is. I'm getting chill bumps a little bit here. Those <laughs> uh, kids are innocent. They wouldn't make it up, would they? So they're just talking about things they remember. Right. Interesting. Well, I love the fact that you're trying to raise awareness of being healthy and eating healthy and making healthy choices. And also that people need to know what they're eating and perhaps be more proactive about maybe talking to your health officials or talking do you do any of that type of work or do you have links on your website for how people can do that i've got a lot of links in the books so where, where i found a useful bit of research that backs up the story i put it all at the back of the books if people wanted to read into it there's a load of references on papers and journals and different books that I found useful. That's awesome. That gives someone so much more information and value in from the story as well. Yeah, and I'm quite, I mean, I've, I've sort of worked quite a lot of environmental themes into it as well, because I'm quite passionate that we should be more green and we should be attacking climate change more than we are and, you know, having more alternative power like solar and hydroelectricity and things. So I've worked some of those things in as well. Fun. Yes, I love the fact that here in Colorado, we have solar panels and wind turbines almost everywhere. So yeah. it's, it's great to see those and see us taking advantage of our natural resources that come oh. with a little bit cleaner energy, I guess. Yeah, say. I mean, I'd rather see a, a wind turbine than a, a big power station belching out all this, these black fumes and, you know, colouring the sky grey. It's, it's much nicer to see a wind turbine. Definitely is. So, Catherine, tell us where we can find you. 
So I've got, well, I took your recommendation actually of um, the, the link site, um, which I think I've probably sent you. I mean, I'm on all the normal social media. Um, let's see. You know, the link tree site. Right. Yeah. I will definitely have the links up in the description of the podcast. Is your website? I sent you a, yeah, I sent you a, my link tree site, which has got my, to have my, my Amazon page and Twitter, Instagram, my Facebook pages. So I've got a vegan one. I've got one for the trilogy. And then I've got my own personal one that there's all kinds of stuff on. Um, yeah. And oh, LinkedIn as well. I'm on that. I'm on everything, basically. <laughs> Super fun. What is your favorite one? Do you have a favorite? I do like Facebook, I must admit, because um, I know it's a bit unscrupulous at times, but it's great for keeping in touch with people, you know, that are far away and sharing videos and sharing things like petitions about the environment and stuff. And you can instantly get to quite a lot of people, hundreds of people. And I think I've got about 8,000 8, odd Twitter followers. That's useful as well. If you want to get people on board with environmental or vegan themes. That's awesome. Yeah, without Facebook, we never would have met. So this is true. Yeah, happy coincidence, right? It's great, and things like Messenger, you know. And I know I used to phone my sisters like every week and things, and um, but now we use Messenger, so we have a little video call, which is great, isn't it? It is. I love technology. Yeah, well, Catherine, thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything else you want to add for my listeners? Um, I mean, I just want everybody to get more aware about the, the, the toxic food and drink that people are, are being sold these days and just have a look at what exactly is in it. Just have a look at the packet. I mean, as a vegan, I'm forever looking at labels, wondering if there's an e-number in this or an animal product. Um, you know, just make, make yourself aware of what's actually going on. All the, the you know, the half-truths that are being told about how how our food's okay because it's all being tested, but it actually hasn't. It, the testing is done by the, the firms themselves. It's not done by any agencies. I mean, they say they can't afford to do it. So I'll say to everybody, just educate yourself about being kinder to the environment and animals and eating better food. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today, Catherine. Oh, thank you for inviting me. That was great. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. It was so much fun to host Catherine on my podcast. I love learning about her books and quest to educate people about healthy food and taking care of the environment. The best way to find Catherine is on Linktree, Facebook, or YouTube. You can find all her links in the podcast description. Next week, I'll be taking a midsummer break. So it'll be a great time for you to catch up on any episodes you missed, but don't worry. I'll be back with you on July 14th with sci-fi author Erin Frail. Until then, you can find me at trishacopeland.com and on all your favorite social media platforms. Happy listening.